Hey, everybody. Nathan King here with the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody of our promo we have running right now with our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. You guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and new customers can get 15% off their first purchase with the code Auburn Undercover. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, all caps. If you guys don't know, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what Home Field Apparel is, it's a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. It's incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs, including a lot of really, really cool Auburn stuff. You guys know better than anybody that Auburn's got some really cool old logos and designs from back in the glory days. And so they've taken advantage of that and gone back, made some really creative sweatshirts and T-shirts and even some joggers. You guys go check it out, Home Field Apparel. Com. They just launched a new Auburn shirt on October 9th that's honoring Auburn's first national championship season back in 1957. What they did was, and Homefield goes back and they dig through all kinds of old archives in order to find the coolest designs they can, they can get their hands on. They went back and found a postcard that was from that 1957 team that Auburn sent out and has a picture of an old obby holding up the Associated Press 1957 National Championship trophy. So if that sounds cool to you, you guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and get that on a t-shirt and you can get 15% off that purchase if it's your first purchase. Again, the code is Auburn Undercover, all one word. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Jason Caldwell to preview the Mississippi State game, Auburn versus Mississippi State, in another SEC West clash on Saturday, um, 11 a.m., which, Jason, I know you love to see. I love to see. Wish South Carolina was an 11 a.m., but uh, but that's all right. We are still blessed with the best kickoff time this weekend. Um, so it will be uh, should be a, a gorgeous day inside Jordan-Harris Stadium, and Auburn will obviously be hoping – um, for a pretty bounce back game on offense, because right now this team is heading in two different directions um, and some exact parallels between the offense and the defense. Offense has gone six quarters without a touchdown. Defense has gone six quarters without allowing a touchdown. Um, thought it was interesting. Listen to what Derek Mason said tonight on Tiger Talk. Certainly that defense is playing with a lot of confidence right now, getting all their pieces back at the right time. But Jason, um, you know, Auburn, <laughs> Doesn't get much easier for Auburn um, down the stretch here in terms of the possibility for a bounce back performance on offense. Texas A&M not only has the number two defense in the conference, they have, they have like a top five, six, seven defense in the country. Um, and every opponent Auburn plays from here on out has a top five defense in the SEC. You're talking about, um, I believe Mississippi State's is number four. South Carolina's is number five right now. And Alabama's is number three. So um, what does Auburn need to do in this game besides the obvious of, you know, if you get Tank Bigsby running wild, obviously that's going to help you out. Besides that, what is the combination that we talked about on our last show, kind of the chain links of, of Bo Nix, the receivers and the offensive line? What do they have to do in this game to get back on track? Because um, they're not in any sort of rhythm right now at all. No, I, I think it's the first thing is you got to find a way to get some chunk yardage plays. Um, it is hard to play offense when your your longest plays 15 yards. Um that's almost impossible. And I think, uh, I think that's where it starts, um, you know, for this team. Um, you know, that's – to me, that's the issue um, is can you find a way to create some explosive plays. Um, you know, Mississippi State's kind of in the same boat. You look at them, and while that's the team that throws it a ton, 
they're not putting up huge offensive numbers in terms of scoring because it's the same thing. Every play is six or seven yards. Now they complete 75% of their passes. You know, they're moving the football. They throw it for a ton, but they're not having big plays. It's hard to score points when you don't have big plays. And you look at Auburn. I was thinking about this today. Um, Has there been a play this year where Auburn caught a short pass, broke two tackles, and took it the distance? I don't, th- I don't think there has. The best one I can think of was Shivers against, I think it was Akron, right? And that was, yeah, that was like 18 yards. So that doesn't, yeah. That's like the uh-huh. best right. tackle breaking okay. reception. What's I can the think longest, of. what's the longest rushing touchdown this team has? You have a 96 yarder again, or one of those early games. Besides, right. Besides that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. But against a power five team, what's mm. the longest touchdown run Auburn has? I have no idea. Yeah. I, I bet you it's, uh, it's very short. We can look at it and see. My point is, it's, you know, obviously, Bo needs to play better. Um, no question about it. Um, you got to be able to run the football. You got to be able to do those things. But you got to find a way for somebody. It's hard. It's too hard on offense to dial up and let that be the only way you have explosive plays. You watch Alabama and you go, yeah, they dial up some explosive plays, but they also throw a 12-yard slant and a guy makes a guy miss and takes it to the house. Yep. Um, you have a running back that breaks two tackles and goes the distance. You have those things that happen. That's how you create explosive plays. Um, it's you, you draw them up sometimes, but you know you look at this team right now, and you know three or four of those probably opportunities against Texas A and M. You look at Georgia. You look at in Alabama. You know LSU two thousand nineteen team, teams that you want to be. Those teams have a dozen of those plays a game. And you make six of them, yeah. And you look up and, and you put a bunch of points on the board. When you only have three or four opportunities, hey, that may be your line where you miss those four. That's what happens. And, and so, I think it's a matter of everything execution. But sooner or later, you got to find somebody that's going to break a tackle, make a play, do some of those plays that that kind of create your own momentum, kind of thing. Yeah, that's. I mean, looking back through what <clears throat> what Brian Harson talked about um, on Saturday, I mean or excuse me, on Monday, it's what he's talked about all season long, that, you know, there's probably too much blame on the quarterback, but at the same time, when Bo succeeded earlier in the season, there, you know, there's probably too much, uh, too much credit given to him when it was the offensive line and the receivers playing at a high level. Yeah, I'm back to the, I'm back to the Georgia game right now. I'm going to go back to LSU. So far, there hasn't been a run of 30 yards or more. Let's see if they had one against LSU. I, I think, didn't Jarquez Hunter? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. probably Jarquez's yeah. Hunter's 44-yard run against LSU. That's probably it. I'm not going to go any further than that. But that's probably the best run they've had in, in Power 5 play. Yeah, and it wasn't for a touchdown. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, you got down there and you scored eventually. But but it was kind of, you know, that's that play where it was you know, not necessarily a trick play, but it wasn't a, just a downhill run either, you know. Um, right. It kind of had that that different feel to it. But, no, it's a – it's it's part of it, and, and like you said, it's it's one of those things where you start looking at it, going, can you create it? Find a way to create those plays, and can you make them, um, manufacture them um, instead of having to, well, here's our shot play. We're going to take this shot, hope it works. That's kind of what it feels like for this offense right now. You got to like everything has to line up and be right in order for something to happen. Whereas sometimes, sometimes you just got to find a guy that goes, okay, look, here he goes. I'll make a play. Um, and so I think that's where you are and, and you're doing it against a Mississippi state defense that is really good against a the run. These guys have played well up front. My guess is 
they'll follow the lead of Georgia and Texas A&M and say, look, we're dare you to throw it down the field. We're going to get up line of scrimmage. We're going to make this a 20-yard football game and see what happens. And so, you know, for Auburn, you, you got to take advantage and uh, you got to find a way to run the football. That's, that's no way around it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the, this Mississippi State defense. I know you did the story on them um, earlier this week because something Brian Harson said today on the teleconference was um, Zach Arnett, been one of the best assistants in the country over the past couple seasons. Um, obviously, was a great is a great guy for Mike Leach on his staff. But Arson said they use their personnel really, really well, yeah. um, and that's something he's kind of wary of going into this game. And you're exactly right. It seems like if you want to beat Auburn right now, they have not like just like we're talking about um, 79th in the country in, in explosion on offense right now in terms of 30 yard plays. Um, just keep that field condensed. How are they going to do it? And do they have the kind of defensive front? that a Texas A&M had, or, or are they going to beat you in some other ways? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're as good as Texas A&M or Georgia, but I think they're they're pretty solid. Um, good linebacker play. Aaron Brule is a guy that's 6'1", 230, physical linebacker. And and like we've seen several other times, you look on the other side, and, and Nathaniel Watson's a kid from Maplesville that, that came to Auburn's camps, did those things, never really got the offer. 6'2", 240. He's playing really well for, for this team. Um and so those linebackers have done a good job of making plays. But up front, Tyra Sweet is um, kind of a Carl Lawson type of guy, 6'2", 265. So he's not this big, long 6'5 kid. But he's got four sacks, five tackles for losses. Randy Charlton, 6'3", 265, three sacks. They don't have one, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau. But they got a group of guys that have all made plays. Jaden Cromedy is, is their veteran guy, 6'5", 310 in the middle. Um, Cameron Young, 6'3", 310. Nathan Pickering, 6'4", 300. They got some size. So they got some some bodies that can rotate in there. And, you know, they'll get after it. They play hard. And, heck, you know, you look and, yeah, it's a new coaching staff. But, you know, you, you look what Mississippi State's done on the defensive line. Um, I don't know that there's anybody in the NFL right now that has a better group of defensive line than Mississippi State does. That's true. Uh, yeah. It's really interesting to watch the progression of those guys. So, um this group, you know, I don't see a, a one of those guys on there, but I see a group of guys that are all playing pretty well. Um, that's where it starts for them. They're they give up 25 points a game, but they're giving up 34 points a game in their losses to Memphis, LSU, Alabama, and Arkansas. So they've given up some, some chunk yardage plays, but you also look on the flip side of that. At NC State to 34 yards rushing, at LSU to 63, Kentucky to 66. I mean, they've – they've done a good job against some teams that normally can run the football. And so um, I think for Auburn, you got to find a way to get, to get the running game going at some point. And uh, even if that's, you know, feeding tank and trying to give him a few more touches early on, I think we saw that against Ole Miss. I think that's, I think that would be the game plan for me. This, this seems like it's Mississippi state every year, regardless of the coach, maybe they had um, a lot of consistency in the best Dan Mullen years, but just, so sporadic based on the game. I mean, Mississippi State schedule this year. They've got now, I mean, that win over Texas A&M on the road is awesome at this point. I mean, that is one of the best wins anybody can have right now. Um, but yet you have to lo- a loss to somebody like Memphis. And I think that's what makes um, that's what makes this such an interesting trap game. I think every year this seems like a trap game um, for Auburn. But Auburn was able to avoid a similar feeling game when they played Mississippi State in the regular season finale last year. It kind of felt like, Mississippi State might be a might be a tricky out for Auburn to get in the last game. 
Um, but they stopped them with really the defensive talking about defensive fronts. Auburn's got a pretty good one in its own right. Um, they just dominated up front last season. Will Rogers, um, the way they run that offense was not able to get anything going. I think the offense is a little farther along. I think Will Rogers is, is a little bit more comfortable this season, but is Auburn, can Auburn have the same kind of success from what you've seen from Mississippi State's offense and what they look like? Can they have that same kind of success this season? Or does it seem like that offensive line is a little bit farther along? Like we said, Rogers probably at this point is able to handle pressure like that a little bit better. Yeah, I think you start looking at, you know, Auburn's defense against the Mississippi State offense. And you're right. I think one of the keys is, is the second year in a system for them. Um, now, you want to talk about struggling to make big plays. Mississippi State has nine plays of over 30 yards in nine games, which you would not think would be possible for a team that throws the ball 54 times a game. I guess that's how you get to 75% completion. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. So it almost fits exactly what Auburn's been doing on defense all year, which is, hey, we're going to give you that six-yard pass, um, but we're going to make you score when you get in the red zone. So my guess is, is that we'll see a lot of Mississippi State moving the football, you know, between the 20s, which is what Auburn has, has done a lot of the season. And then, hey, make a play in the red zone. Um, now, last year, Auburn did a good job of being able to create pressure with three or four without having to blitz. Uh, Kobe Wooden, Derek Hall, those guys were able to get pressure. And they've given up 25 sacks. So they've given up some some sacks and some yardage. It's not a, a wide receiver group that has a ton of playmakers. Now, they've got some guys that can make plays in terms of numbers of catches. Really, the, the biggest danger for me when I look at Mississippi State's offense and Auburn's defense the biggest danger is is Jaquavius Marks, uh, Dylan Johnson, those two guys at running back. Now, you know, you look at Jaquavius Marks is 292 yards rushing, but he has 390 yards receiving on 64 catches, three touchdowns. And then you look at JJ. I mean, uh, Dylan Johnson has 47 catches, 273 yards. Their running backs have 111 receptions. When you think about Auburn's linebackers, we've seen it this year. Tight ends, running backs have been an issue for them in, in, in playing those guys and getting out in space, doing that. It's a huge game for Jacoby McLean and, and you know, Owen Popo, Chandler Wooten, but it's also a very big game for a guy like, to me, Ladarius Tennyson. I thought Tennyson played well against Texas A&M. This is a Tennyson game because you're going to be one-on-one matched up with a running back in flat, you know, 30 times on Saturday um, if they throw it to him or not. But – can you get can you get guys on the ground? Because you know the other thing that I'm not really sure what we'll see, but they've really struggled field goal kicking. I mean, they've been terrible. Do you come into this game for Mike Lee's going? Look, we're going to throw the ball four times to get ten yards. That's that's hard to defend if you got to defend somebody four plays to get ten yards and throw it all four times. So, um, you know, it's an interesting group. But I mean, Rogers is is a guy eight eight three hundred yard passing games, averaging three hundred sixty seven yards. Um, it's a uh, it's a different, completely different game than, than Auburn has seen at any point in the season. Yeah, kind of speaking to the lack of explosion um, in the passing game, Mississippi State, their, their best player in terms of a yards per catch is Christian Ford. Um, and he's still 18th in the SEC in yards per reception, and he doesn't catch the ball that much, less than two and a half receptions a game. So if you'll go all the way down to their main receiver, uh, Jaden Wally, he is 29th in the SEC in yards per catch, and he's he's their he's their well, top receiver in terms well, of so. you know, Makai Polk has 71 catches, but but he has 720 yards. He's averaging 10 yards reception. Right, right. Um, 
and that's a cow transfer that has some experience. But again, you're talking about a, a group of guys that are that are essentially a group of possession receivers. The way they're playing this offense, and so if you're Auburn, you you, get, you can't let them get on top, but you got to get them on the ground as soon as they catch the ball. That's been the key. It's kind of the way that Washington started playing Washington State when Mike Leach was there. People kind of, you know, used to people would try to press them and, and, and create pressure, and they would let them throw over the top and throw the fade. Well, people figured out, no, just just make them take their time. You know, Mississippi State leads the league in, in time possession. At, they throw it 54 times and lead the league in time possession. It does. There's things that just don't match up like what you would think they would be. Um, for this team. And so they play ball control offense, throwing the football. It's it's very, very weird. Sticking with the defensive side of the ball, um, because this is something I think is kind of interesting. All through fall camp, we sat and, and deliberated over what this secondary rotation was going to look like. Thought it was really deep at a bunch of different positions, wondering how Derek Mason is going to tinker with his guys. Um, now it's finally getting to a point where things have been fleshed out. We kind of see him use some different rotations, but um, if Zion Puckett doesn't play again, seems like Ladarius Tennyson will get a go um, kind of playing some safety. He came down and played some nickel. Um, what do you make right now of, of what Derek Mason's doing with the secondary? Because it seems like I, I look at the, you know, we look at the pro football focus snap counts after every game. And it's interesting to see some games, the nickel not be used at all. Some games, a guy has taken all the snaps at safety. Some, some games, a guy is coming way up at nickel. Um, just kind of how, like you said, how important is that going to be for them to play at a high level again? Because certainly they're doing that. Um, and then we didn't really talk about Tennyson after the game when in our, in our quick reactions, but um, just kind of what do you make of his performance filling in for, for uh, Zion Puckett? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with him first. He's a, he's a linebacker in a DB body. Um, and he's a guy that can play running back easily. I mean, he's a really athletic kid, um, but he's not afraid of contact. And so I think about him, I think about a guy like Robinson Therese that played for Auburn, you know, about a decade ago, um, very similar type body style, similar type players where you go, man, those guys could could easily play linebacker if you needed them to in a pinch. But uh, I thought he did a good job. Um, and I think he's a guy that could be very valuable, like I said, this week. But, you know, that secondary rotation, you look, I think you need, you know, eight to ten guys prepared to go against Mississippi State. When you know you're going to face it. This team is going to throw it 50-plus times. They're going to put four and five wide receivers on the field. So you're probably going to be playing more nickel and dime than you've played, you know, at any point this year. Do we see more of a guy like Ro Torrance this week? Um, you know, potentially, you know, Dreshawn Miller, we haven't really seen him play a, a significant play this season, but he was on the road last week at Texas A&M. He traveled. Um, those are guys that have coverage skills that you could play in that those those kind of roles, especially when you're you're talking about, you know, maybe an injury to Zion Puckett. We've seen Badarius Knight and, you know, kind of be banged up at times. So you got a guy like Donovan Kaufman that, that played a good bit more last week than we've seen him. They do have bodies. They got athletic kids. Uh, but I think you look and, you know, Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett, Roger McCreary, those three guys, I think you'll continue to see them be the main three at corner for this team. But, uh, you know, Road Torrance was, was one of the stars of the preseason. Uh, and then, you know, hadn't really seen him play that big of a role uh, yet. You know, maybe this is a week that he gets to jump in there a little bit more. Flipping back over to offense, and then we'll talk about our predictions for the game. But um, like we talked about before, Bo Nix, a lot of attention this week for having one of the worst performances of his career. Um, 
I tend to think kind of looking back um, at, at what he did previously in the season that I think you, we, we talked about on the show before, but he was playing at a decent level. Just the guys around him weren't producing might've been a little bit more against Texas A&M that he was not on it. What are you looking for in the passing game from him besides hitting the explosive plays? Like we've talked about, because that's what Auburn's been looking for um, all season. Is it more of the tight ends? Is it more of the running backs? Um, just what can Auburn do to, to get him back in the swing of things um, after, again, the last six quarters have have not been very kind after that strong first half against Ole Miss? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it starts with being able to run the football. Um, talking to you know former quarterbacks and you hear coaches say the running game is a quarterback's best friend. Um, you can't be third and long all day, and that's where we've seen this Auburn offense for the last six quarters. I think you go back and look at – you know, I think it, it no coincidence that a bunch of third and long situations um, tends to lead to a bunch of three and outs or, or, or short drives. That's where they've been. Um, you know, so I think you got to be able to run the football. Um, but I, I thought, you know, after being really patient against Ole Miss, really patient against Arkansas, that that both sped things up a little bit last Saturday. I think you know, knowing the Texas A&M pass rush and their defensive line played into that some. Um, I thought he was probably too quick to check down uh, last week, and um, and you can you can fall in love with that as a quarterback um, because it's comfortable, it's easy, you know. And hey, you get four or five yards. Well, Texas A&M knew that they didn't have to play deep, they didn't have to worry about down the field coverage as much, so they were playing really tight coverage. Now, after Sean Chivers had a couple of catches when you know throwing the ball to Tank or Jarquez, who it was, those guys were wrapped up pretty quickly. Um, the tight ends in the middle of the field were probably the biggest area that they were able to take advantage of. I think that's something they have to continue to do. You know, we didn't see Landon King last week after he had played a role. I think this is a game that you can get him back involved, but I wouldn't be shocked to see much more two and three tight end sets for this team because honestly, right now you're not you're not getting enough out of two and three wide receiver sets to run those a ton. You know, keep those tight ends on the field. See if you can create a little bit more in the running game and and use those guys in the passing game. I still think there's a there's an opportunity for a Brandon Frazier or Tyler Fromm to be able to make a play down the field or a play or two down the field in the passing game. I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys get maybe a little bit more involved in the passing game this week too. Yeah, it's it's no longer just and I people keep asking about it because it's the storyline that's been you know a thing for years under Gus, but it no longer has to be oh you know you're finally catching passes. It's now you are an extremely, you know, vital focal point. I think the last two games trying to think about it, uh, Luke deal had the longest play against Texas A&M in the passing game. And then I think from on that, on that kind of rollout. The, yes. Over the top early in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I think that was the longest passing play against Ole Miss or, or at least it was close to it. I'm trying yeah. to remember if there was a better one, but um, yeah. So no longer is it just, Oh, it's cute that the tight ends are catching passes. It's no, you need these guys to be able to push the ball. Um, down the field. So Jason, I think both of us are in a spot where we think this is a tricky game, but would both be surprised if Auburn doesn't get back on track against a Mississippi state team that is not at the talent level um, of a Texas A&M. Just kind of, how do you see this one playing back out and and how important, how how do you see this one playing out? How important do you think it is that Auburn's able to come back in a bounce back spot at home, as opposed to maybe if this game was in Starkville? Yeah, I think it's huge um, to be able to play at home in front of your fan base um, where you're comfortable, um, where this offense has played much better. Now, they have played better on the road this year, but 
you know, you played really well at home, even against Georgia. While you didn't score a ton, that, that's a game that, you know, they, they, they executed the offense except for catching the football for most of the day. So I think it's uh, I think it's big being at home, but I do, I agree. I think it's going to be a, a, a challenging game. I think, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty good defensive matchup because it's the way that Auburn's been playing. But I think for this Auburn offense, until they can get some confidence again and, and create a couple of those plays, it's just a grind. And, and, and it's hard enough to play offense even when things are going well. But when you're grinding, it can be a challenge. I, I picked Auburn 27-23. Um, I think it's going to be a game that um, kicking game could could come into play. I think, um, you know, I would expect Anders Carlson to, 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 to rebound after, you know, his miss the other day and um, have a good game. We've seen the, the you know, Auburn's punting game with Oscar Chapman be really good. Um, I think it, the kicking game field position in this game could be really important. Um, but I got Auburn winning a close one. Yeah, I think Mississippi State is going to cover that that five and a half that they've got right now. We'll see. We'll see if that comes down anymore. But yeah, I've got Auburn twenty three to twenty in this one. Um, I think, like we've talked about, Mississippi State is um, a pretty respectable team on both sides of the ball. But I really just think back to last year's game, um, and I, I can kind of envision Auburn getting a similar kind of performance out of its defensive front um, because I was watching the Arkansas game, Mississippi State against Arkansas this past week when it was like on Tuesday or something, it was on SEC network. Um, and there were some plays where Will Rogers was sitting back there for six or seven seconds yeah, and was just able to do whatever he wanted to do. And like we talked about, sometimes you want him to be able to go through that progression if you're getting good coverage, um, but it was down in the red zone. So he was just able to wait for guys to get open. I don't see that being a problem with what we've seen. I, Colby Wooden and Derek Hall, I think you can't say enough good things about them. They've been really on a tear the last two or three games, Colby Wooden in particular is playing like a first-team All-SEC guy, honestly, up there with some of the best in the conference right now. And so um, I see Auburn bouncing, obviously not not bouncing back, staying the course on defense. They've been really, really impressive on defense the past um, couple games. And then on offense, like you talked about, um, the home field advantage, I have a hard time seeing Auburn not be able to score like 24, 20, I'm scoring 23, but you know, 23, 24, 27 kind of range. At home, if they score into the 30s, I think they are completely set yeah. in this game. So it seems like that's going to be the kind of the way it'll roll. But um, you never know. They're going to have to have their A game. And Brian Harson talked about it a little bit on Tiger Talk tonight that, you know, 11 a.m. kick or is on the teleconference today, but 11 a.m. kicks. You know, sometimes it's difficult to get guys to roll out early and, and be focused. So they've had a few um, games of experience with that this season. So he was glad for that. And so another test on Saturday. So. That'll do it for us. Appreciate you guys so much for listening to this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. We will have another one uh, right after the game or on after the game on Sunday um, talking about what went down inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. So thank you guys so much for listening. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you guys get your podcasts. If you guys enjoyed it, that's the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, we will catch you guys later. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you.